Hey, Life Canton. Roger here, Director of Student and Young Adult Ministries. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. I'm sure you're looking forward to another great Code Series message. If you're a brand new listener, uh, welcome. So glad that you're here. Not only do we believe that you should be listening to our podcast, but we also believe uh, that you belong. You belong to God so that you belong to us. So I would encourage you not only to like, subscribe, follow all that so you can follow our podcast, but also to fill out a connect card on our now page so that we can get you plugged in, whether that's just answering questions, uh, learning your name, or even seeing where you're interested in serving. So fill out one of those. We'd love to uh, get you connected. Uh, Today, we're in another week of our code series, like I said before, all about who we are as a church. And this week, we have a uh, message from Pastor John about Multiply. Uh, He is our discipleship pastor, so it's very fitting that he's giving this message. But give that a listen, and I will catch up with you in just one moment. Welcome, family. How are you doing today? Awesome. So glad to see you in the room. For those of you who are here and those of you who are online, uh, so glad you could join us. You guys just love Jesus a little bit, right? (laughs) It's awesome to hear your passion through worship and hear your heart for him as you sing out. Well, we are in the Code Series, and my name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. It's my joy to be able to speak to you today uh, about Multiply. And that's our fifth code. And our code is all about giving meaning to who we were, who, where we came from, purpose to who we are now, and direction to where we're going. It's our DNA as a church, is how we live out the kingdom of God in our context. And this code reminds us about who we are. It's so important to remember that. Multiply is all about increasing more of the same. It's replicating something. And we replicate all kinds of things, uh, could be good things or bad things. We multiply habits, mannerisms, or behaviors. And sometimes we multiply things that we don't want to multiply. Like if you hear your kids say a certain word that they heard you say, you're like, oh, shouldn't have multiplied that one. Uh, we multiply whether we know it or not. It, it happens. This is the nature of how God made us, for good or for bad. And so the question is, what am I multiplying? And even better yet, what does God want multiplied through his church? What has he called us to multiply together as a family who serve him? I've been reflecting on all of our codes as we've been going through this. And as I've been preparing for this message, it it kind of surprised me a little bit how much Encounter Jesus is included in Multiply. And that will make sense as we go along. But I've been encountering Jesus in ways that involve the outdoors. I love going hiking. I love exploring. I love checking out new places. And my recent adventure has been in a kayak. I love to encounter Jesus um, on the water and just be out and explore and uh, bring a book or my journal and just literally read out in the middle of the water. And uh, what's important for me is not just to encounter Jesus for myself, but to multiply that encounter into my kids that they would watch what I'm doing and want to follow God in a similar way and follow God for themselves, encounter Jesus. And as we do that, it's, it's more, more caught than taught, isn't it? They watch us. They see what we're doing. And my daughter, Lila, who's six years old, was watching me go out on the kayak, and she said, Dad, I want to come with you. I said, of course you can. So we set it up, and 
went on a kayak ride out on Silver Lake in Dexter where my wife's family is. And uh, we went out on the water. It was just a beautiful day, sunny. And we were noticing all these little lily pads that were spread throughout the water. And they grew up these really pretty flowers. And and Lila loves all things pink and dresses and makeup and, and playing Barbies and all that fun stuff. And so she was totally into these flowers and picked a couple of them. Not sure if you're supposed to, but she couldn't help herself. And, uh, and, and we just were enjoying this time together. And as we were hanging out, I just said to her, hey, Lila, what am I thinking? And she said, that you love me? And I said, how did you know that? And sheepishly, she goes, because you say it all the time. <laughs> and... Uh, and we just sat there for a moment, kind of taking that in. And I will never, uh, I'll never forget what happened next because I said, what are you thinking? And she said, without skipping a beat, I am loved. Amen. Amen. I am loved. And it, it hit me so hard. It undid me, to be honest with you, because she was so confident, so secure, so safe in my love. And she, that was her reality. I am loved. Now, before you think that I'm some perfect dad or, or spiritual giant, you need to know that uh, what this did in that moment for me was convicted me. Because I thought about all the times that I have thought the opposite of that. I don't feel nearly as secure all the time as she does. It made me think of all the times that I've thought things that sound more like this. I am alone I'm stupid. I'm not enough. I'm dorky. I'm not funny. I'm impulsive. And I'm a failure. The list goes on. Can you relate? There's these words that we say to ourselves that sound a lot different than what our Father is saying to us. Question to think about. When we talk that way about ourselves, how does that make God feel? How does that make him feel? We are his sons and his daughters. How does it feel when we talk that way about ourselves? He's constantly telling us that he loves us, that he wants us to be secure in his love. He wants us to know more than anything else that we are loved, that we are enough in Christ. But we are too busy convincing ourselves that we're not. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. In fact, Pastor Nathan talked about this last week from Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. God's thoughts are nothing like our thoughts. They are higher than our thoughts. See, God's thoughts sound something more like this. You are never alone. You have the mind of Christ. You are a masterpiece. You are endearing. I think your dad jokes are funny. (laughs) You have self-control through the power of the Holy Spirit. You are more than a conqueror. Do you believe it? Amen. You feel the power of those words? But do you see the difference between my thoughts and God's thoughts? If I could show you the lists on the screen, they would look exactly opposite, right? God's speaking directly into the lies that I was believing with his truth. God's truth cures the cancer of my destructive thinking. And he can do the same for you. See, even though God's thoughts don't match my thoughts, it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. God wants to elevate our thoughts to thinking like he does, to sharing his mind, to having the mind of Christ. That's what that means. That as God thinks, you learn to think. He transforms the way that you think. 
Romans 12.1 tells us we're transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what this is talking about. But in order to do that, we need to listen to his voice. Early in Isaiah 55, God says this, verses 2 and 3, Listen to me, and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen, and you will find life. How many times does God say listen here? You could say it three times, right? This one sounds a little different. That one's actually more direct. Open your ears and listen to me, you know. He's speaking. Friends, God speaks. That's what the scripture is telling us. God is always speaking behind the scenes of our lives. And we should listen to what he has to say because he's always speaking every moment of our lives behind the scenes. But maybe you've struggled to hear God's voice. How can you embrace what God thinks about you if you can't hear what he says? Or maybe you you think that God spoke in Bible times in order to write the Bible, but he's just kind of gone mute and doesn't speak anymore to his people. Well, God speaks. And when you open your ears with ears wide open to listen to him, he will show you the power of the Holy Spirit when you listen to his voice. I always say that if it's not practical, it's not helpful. So I want to give you two specific ways that God speaks to us. And I promise we're building something as we go along here. God speaks through scripture. Number one, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, uh, it just unpacks this so well. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work All scripture is God-breathed. That means it comes from the mouth of God. God is authoring this. He's speaking this truth. And every word in scripture is completely true. Now, as Timothy wrote this, he was speaking of the Old Testament. But God's word defies time. And it speaks of the entire word that's shaping us, that is useful for, as the scripture says, rebuking us when we need it. It's useful for teaching us the truth. We all need to be rebuked a little bit in order to live with the truth, right? If something's wrong in us, we need to be corrected. And that's what it does as well, so that we can live right. And then this is my favorite part. Then it trains us to grow stronger in Christ, so we are fully equipped to do all that God has called us to do. He's got to demolish our character a little bit in order to renovate it, right? This is a renovation of character that he's after as he's doing this so that we can be thoroughly equipped to do what he has called us to do. See, what's so helpful about this is scripture is the standard of all truth. And this is really important because we live in a culture that says your feelings are truth. If you feel it, then it must be true. Now, emotions have their place. God gave them to us as a gift to connect us with him and others. But emotions are not absolute truth. We need scripture to guide us, to shape us, to allow those emotions to be refined by the word of God. It's the standard of all truth. So if you, if you think that something um, is true, you got to line it up with the word of God. And if it contradicts scripture, then it's simply not true. They used to call Bible canon. Canon means a measuring rod. So if you think about it, it's like a ruler. Scripture is the ruler of truth. It defines what is truth. And gives you measurements in order to measure something to see if it is true. And this is so powerful because it gives us solid ground to stand on in a world that is shifting sand and truth that is relative. 
Scripture is the standard of all truth. See, God speaks through circumstances as well. And this happens through patterns and people. Patterns, what, what common theme or message do you keep hearing from multiple sources? Maybe you heard something on the radio and then you heard it in church and then someone in your life said the same thing. I just talked to someone after the service, this, this was her, and she was saying a lot of what we're talking about today really confirmed what God's been speaking to her. And I love how God does that because these are truth patterns that God is trying to get our attention with and teach us some truth patterns. He also gives us people. Because we need to confirm those patterns with godly people who have walked with Jesus. And so you could take this truth pattern that you're noticing in your life and bring it to someone who loves Jesus and is mature in their faith and say, do you think this comes from God? Can you confirm this? And then what's cool is if this person is gifted in this way, they may even share with you a prophetic word from God. Now, what is that? This is a word of correction and encouragement that comes from God. And sometimes it feels uncomfortable, many times it does, but the point of it is to make us more like Jesus. So when we have people in our lives who can share these things with us, it changes us, it shifts our identity so that we can be more like Jesus. I think about a time we were in church and it was, the service was ending and there was someone behind uh, us, my wife and I, and she tapped my wife on the shoulder and said, I'm sorry, I don't know you, but I really feel like I need to share something with you. She said, your prayers pierce the plans of the enemy. It's like, bam, (laughs) you know, and she didn't know that my wife was struggling with her prayer life at that very moment and feeling like insecure about it. And like, I don't know if my prayers do anything. You think that supercharged her prayers? Absolutely. That was the encouragement she needed to unleash her prayers against the darkness for the kingdom of God. That's the power of people in our lives. These are just two ways that God speaks through scripture and circumstances. You can learn a lot more um, by going to our Life Journey Advance course. We we talk about many ways that we can hear from God. And the point is because we want to help you hear what God is speaking. He has a word for you. He he has something that he's going to assign you to do through that word. And Life Journey is positioned to help you do that, to grow up in discipleship, to help you become more confident in your walk with God so that you can then pour out what he's given you to others. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But this whole thing is designed to help you hear from God and follow and do what he's asking you to do. Some of you may be thinking, what does all this have to do with multiplication? Sounds like we're talking about encounter Jesus, not multiply. Well, they're directly connected because what you multiply is what you encounter from Jesus. I encountered Jesus in the kayak and I multiplied that into my daughter. And she got to experience the love of God. If we take the time to come and listen with ears wide open, as Isaiah 55 says, then we will hear what God is saying to us. And this is where we encounter Jesus and what we multiply. If we hear from Jesus that we're loved, that we're secure, that we are, you fill in the blank, that's what we get to multiply. And church, isn't that what needs to get multiplied? Amen? Let's not multiply those destructive narratives that we talked about earlier, those things that we too easily slide into thinking that are defined by lies and brokenness. If we're not careful, we can replicate that narrative into the lives of others, into our kids, to the people that we disciple. Instead, let's replicate the narratives of the truth of God and what God is speaking, because that's discipleship. That's what Christ has called us to 
What do you want to get multiplied through you? I want you to think about that question. And how do we multiply God's words? Because if God speaks and we're called to multiply, how do we do that? To find out, let's continue our journey through Isaiah 55. Through the series, we've been walking through this chapter verse by verse, mining its riches. God's word has so much truth for us to discover and for it to transform our lives. And so you can turn to Isaiah 55, verses 10 to 11. You can flip or scroll there. If you need a Bible, straight out the doors to your left is a black table with some Bibles. That's our gift to you um, for you to follow along. You can also follow on the screen with us. This will be our main text today. So let's look at Isaiah 55, verse 10. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Throughout this series, we've given you this image of God being like a water vendor that is out in the streets calling to people, come, come and drink this water, this water that is free, that will satisfy your soul. The water vendor is back again, and he's not serving up tap water or spring water or even volcanic uh, filtered Fiji water. No, he's, he's given us something so much better. He's giving us living water. This water is alive. It has a heartbeat, and it contains the seeds of new life. It has the ability to produce life and to multiply. Friends, God speaks, and his words are living water. The scripture teaches us that living water causes grain to grow, which produces seeds, and these seeds are multiplied by the farmer who uses them to plant more crops. And then the crops are used by the baker who makes bread for the hungry. You see how this works? Multiplication is baked in. It's built in to God's words. It's what they do. They multiply. And that's what he's calling us to do. The water vendor isn't finished yet. He has more to say. Let's look at verse 11. It is the same with my word, he says. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. The original language for the word word here means actions that produce fruit. Speech that produces fruit through action. Okay, So these aren't empty words that are spoken and just fall to the ground, things that are not meant, things that are half-hearted. No, God's words are, are wholehearted. They are speech that produces fruit. As you can see from the context, God's word always does this. It's, not, it, it's, it's just what his words do. They don't work on the weekend and then take a couple days off during the week. No, they, they work constantly behind the scenes of our lives, producing the fruit of God. Think back to the creation story in Genesis 1. Do you remember how God created everything? He spoke it into existence. God said, let there be light, and then he created light. He said, create the sky, and then the heavens were created. He said, let's make plants and animals, and they were created. And my favorite one, God said, let us make human beings in our own image, and he created them. When God speaks, He creates. That's the power of his word. God's word also means something else. In the book of John chapter 1, Jesus is described as the word who was with God and the word who was God. So the word also means Jesus. Earlier we talked about how Isaiah 55 verse 11 
um, compares God's word to water that multiplies living water, right? So let's do some deductive reasoning and pull all this together. If God's word equals living water and Jesus equals God's word, then Jesus is living water. Friends, don't miss this. Jesus is the living water that Isaiah was talking about. He is the water vendor. And he was speaking all the way back there through the prophet Isaiah, telling us, come to me. I am where you find satisfaction for your soul. I am the source and the fountain of this living water. And in John 7, Jesus backs this up. And he sounds exactly like the water vendor in Isaiah 55. Listen to this. John 7, verses 37 through 38. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Do you hear Isaiah 55 in there? Almost exactly the same words. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So Jesus is saying, I am the fountain. I am the source of living water. Come to me and you can drink and satisfy your soul. And then he says, and then it will flow from you. What does that mean? Well, the original word for heart literally means the womb or your gut, as in the place where moms make babies, okay? So Jesus is literally saying, I want you to conceive living water. I want it to grow and develop in you. I want you to have some labor pains and let it come to full term. Let living water do its work to transform you and then birth it out into others. Sorry for the visual, but Jesus, blame it on Jesus. He gave it to us, all right? So birth this living water to others. It's not meant to stay with just you. It's meant to be shared freely, without charge. Come to the living water and drink and share it with others. Jesus is the water vendor. God speaks. His words are living water. And living water multiplies. That's what it does. It can't help it. So how do we participate in this? How do we get in on this amazing work that God is doing? How do we multiply living water? Through discipleship. In Matthew 28, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples. This was his last word to them. This most important thing that he had to tell them is, go and make disciples. Teach everyone what I've taught you to do. Go and show them how to follow me. To multiply is to disciple. And to disciple is to pour into others what God has poured into you. I'm going to say that again. To multiply is to disciple. And to disciple is to pour into others what God has poured into you. What's so impactful about discipleship? I mean, why have we sold out to this as a church? Because discipleship multiplies character. It replicates the qualities of Jesus from one person to another. And this is exactly what Jesus was doing with his 12 disciples when he spent his entire ministry pouring into these 12 men and many more who followed him. See, Scripture describes them as unschooled, ordinary men. No special training, you know, knuckleheads, rough around the edges, and Jesus chose them and poured his life into them. If you feel unqualified, then you're in good company, okay? Because the disciples felt the same way. Jesus was multiplying his character into them as he spent time with them. 
There's one verse that says in, in John chapter 3, it says, Jesus went out into the Judean countryside to spend time with his disciples. Sounds like, like Savior of the universe who has three years on this earth, has time to go hang out in the country. You serious? What is he doing? He's multiplying his character into them. They were completely transformed by sharing the same thoughts, desires, passions, and emotions with Jesus and each other in real time. When we multiply, when we pour out what God has poured in us, it changes us, and it changes those that we get to disciple. God multiplies character through discipleship. Let me show you how he did this. Jesus walked with the 12 disciples, as I said, for, for three years on this earth and launched the greatest mission to ever hit this planet. And as Jesus was teaching his disciples, Philip heard Jesus share about the good news. It was poured into him as he watched others hear the gospel and receive hope, hope that there is everlasting life and we can be a part of it. John got to experience the sacrificial, never-ending love of God, and he believed that he was loved. Peter watched Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead, and his faith was multiplied. Jesus poured into his disciples, but it didn't stop there. See, because as Philip learned about the good news from Jesus, one day he was walking along on the road, and the Holy Spirit said, hey, go, go run up by that chariot over there. He's walking by the chariot. He hears this Ethiopian eunuch reading the word of God out loud. And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch says, no, how can I if someone doesn't explain it to me? So Philip gets up in the, in the chariot with him and unpacks the word of God. And this Ethiopian eunuch receives Jesus and goes and gives the gospel to all of Ethiopia and beyond. Guys, this is powerful. In fact, before he did that, he went and saw, hey, there's some water. I should get baptized. So Philip baptized him on the spot and then disappeared into thin air. Go read it. It's incredible. This is what happens. Philip poured out the gospel into this Ethiopian eunuch because Jesus had poured it into him. Because John had, sac had experienced the sacrificial love of Jesus, he wrote a gospel that has the word love in it more than all the other gospels combined. 57 times John talks about the love of God because he encountered the love of God in Jesus, and he poured it into his gospel for the sake of others. As Peter thought about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, I'm sure he's still scratching his head. How did that happen? A disciple named Tabitha died, and Peter, thinking about what Jesus would do, said, God wants to raise her from the dead. And so through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. The disciples poured into others what Jesus poured into them. This is multiplication. This is discipleship. And Jesus has not just called his disciples to this. He's called every single one of us. And here's what's amazing about how this works. As Jesus pours into us, we get to pour into others at the same time. And it gets to be this continuous flow of living water. It's messy, isn't it? That's what discipleship is. It's messy, but it's powerful. It's life on life. It's transformation of character. And we get a continuous source from God that never runs out. This is not dependent on us. 
This is dependent on us tapping into the source and continually giving to others what he gives to us. This is exactly what happened with the woman at the well. In John chapter 4, Jesus is traveling with his disciples and he goes to a Samaritan village and he's thirsty. He's been traveling on the road. He needs some water. He stops at this town well and he meets a Samaritan woman there and he says, will you give me a drink? And she's looking at him like, why are you talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Like, you guys don't talk to us. Why are you talking to me? And Jesus said, if you knew who was talking to you, I would give you living water and you would never be thirsty again. Imagine if you were her and you heard that. What is he talking about? What is this living water? In fact, she asks him that and many more questions. And as he talks to her and he unpacks her life, he's, he's got some prophetic words for her. She knows that she is encountering the Savior of the world. This is the water vendor. This is the fountain of living water right in front of me. And watch what happens next. Let's pick it up in in John chapter 4, verses 28. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I did. Could this be the Messiah? It goes on in in verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me, God speaks, everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard him for ourselves. Isn't that awesome? And we now know that he really is the savior of the world. We heard him with our own ears. God speaks. His words are living water. And living water multiplies. See that? The Samaritan woman couldn't just keep it for herself. She sprinted into the town, dropped her water jar, and just went to tell everyone what she had experienced with Jesus. She could not help it. And we are called to share these encounters with Jesus with others. See, she encountered Jesus at the well. She was getting water and encountered the source, the fountain of living water. And she was changed forever. And she had to share it with others. We are called to multiply living water through discipleship. And spending time with God changes our character. Spending time with others changes their character. We receive from God and we pour out into others through discipleship. But friends, what happens if we don't multiply? What if you think you aren't qualified to disciple others or just don't have time to do it? I mean, how many Christians do you know who are actually actively discipling someone. Why are we so apathetic about this? When Jesus gave this as, it's called the Great Commission for a reason, why aren't we doing it? Well, friends, if we don't multiply, living water becomes dead water. You know why they call the Dead Sea the Dead Sea? Because nothing lives in it. Why? Because there's only an inflow into the Dead Sea. It doesn't flow out into anything. And the water is received and it dies. It cannot sustain life. 
how can we come to church and hear the word of God? How can we worship? How can we serve God and, and, and read Bible studies and keep it for ourselves? Friends, if we do that, the living water will die. It cannot sustain your life and it cannot sustain the life of others. It must be shared. If we don't multiply, we fall for excuses such as I'm too young. Students, if you're in this room, we believe in you. We believe that you can multiply. In fact, the disciples who followed Jesus were 18, 19, 20 years old. They were students themselves and they received this from Jesus and and gave it to others. In fact, we are so confident that you can disciple that we have you participate in the life journey along with the rest of the church because our goal for you is to equip you to disciple before you graduate from high school. And we believe you can do it. We're going to give you opportunities to do that right within our student ministry. You are not too young. If we don't multiply, we can't accomplish the vision of the church. Friends, our vision is to reclaim our identity in Jesus. And we do that by receiving the living water, by encountering Jesus. And that transforms our identity. And then we pour it out into other people so that we can bear the torch of Christ's justice and love. But if we don't multiply, then we can't accomplish that vision. It will stop with us. Over my dead body will it stop with me. Amen? We must share this with others. If we don't multiply, if we don't disciple, then the gospel stops with us. I thought about this probably a thousand times. Can you imagine what would have happened if the 12 disciples that walked with Jesus kept that living water for themselves? They watched him do miracles. They watched him raise people from the dead. They watched him preach the good news and people's lives transformed. What if they just kept that to themselves and didn't share that with anyone? We wouldn't be here in this room right now. This church would not exist. If we don't disciple, the gospel stops with us. Instead, what if Isaiah 55, 11 was describing you? I want us to look at this again. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. What if you were the word? What if you produce fruit and always were productive everywhere God sent you? What if you will accomplish all that God wants you to and it will prosper everywhere he sends you? What if this is describing you? What is God speaking to you? What is he creating in you and through you? How can you pour into others what God has poured into you? These are the questions of discipleship. And this makes me think of a time when the Holy Spirit spoke to me when my wife Liz was pregnant with Lila. And we're pregnant again with our fourth child, by the way, if you haven't heard. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Liz is about 14 weeks pregnant, and the kids are so excited to have a little, little baby to take care of and grow our family. Um, but this was about seven years ago uh, when we lived in enemy-occupied territory, <laughs> Ohio. And, uh, and uh, Liz was late in her pregnancy. She was, you know, ready, ready to give birth any day. And she had this genius idea in her head. She said, you know, I'm about to have a baby, and I need, I need a pedicure. I need my toes to look nice. And I'm thinking how is this a priority right now? I mean, she can't even see past, you know, the belly. Like, how is she, why are, but I just, yes, honey, yes, dear, you know, as I've learned. And uh, 
the problem was we didn't have enough money to get a pedicure. At this point in our lives, we were tight on money and we just we couldn't afford it. And so I went to God and said, Lord, what do I do? I know she really wants this and I want to do this for her. What should I do? And call it what you want, a prompting, a, a voice from God, whatever, I definitely knew he said, you do it. Say what? You, you want me to do what? You want me to paint my wife's toenails? Are you serious? He says, yep, you do it. Matter of fact, bring your four-year-old son Noah and serve your wife together. So we got a bucket of water, some soap, and we washed her feet together. And then we painted her toenails. And I'm sure it looked all kinds of funky, but we did it. And it was beautiful, and it was a moment where we were all crying because God showed up. See, I didn't even know it at the time, but the Holy Spirit was teaching me how to disciple my son. He taught me it was my responsibility to disciple my kids. They are my number one disciples. And he's called me to pour into them what he's poured into me, to change the narratives by which they think, to help elevate their thinkings to the way that God thinks, to press past the brokenness that I have handed down to them and find the healing of Jesus and the wholeness of the kingdom of God in their lives. That is my job as their father. And the Holy Spirit was teaching me that at that moment. God spoke. His words were living water. And that living water washed away my pride and grew the heart of a servant within me and within my son. Living water multiplies. I poured into Noah what God poured into me. Friends, how do we live this out? What, what do we do to act on what I am saying? Well, I've already said it a hundred times. Disciple. We are called to disciple, okay? This is how we multiply. So be discipled and disciple others. This is meant to be a continuous flow of living water. We receive it from Jesus and then we give it away. We are being discipled and we disciple others. And we have an intentional process to help you do that. That's what the life journey is all about, is to train you how to disciple. So if you feel like you're not equipped like the disciples did, we want to help you do that. We want to train you and give you all the tools you need to be able to do that. But right now, today, you can start being discipled by someone else to be prepared to do this. And you can go to lifecanton.org slash disciple groups. It'll unpack the whole thing for you. It'll have an application where you can um, fill it out and let us know how Jesus is pouring his living water into you so that we can partner with that. And we'll assign you a mentor who will walk with you and disciple you so that you're ready to disciple someone else. Do that today. That's your action step. When we disciple, we get to experience incredible transformation. Both the person being discipled gets to, to be grown up in the faith and matured and, and developed in their walk with God. And the person discipling gets to have an impact beyond themselves. It's an incredible opportunity to develop lifetime friendships, to grow little uh, children and grandchildren in the faith that we get to pass on to others what Jesus has given to us. As we close, I want to take you back to the kayak. 
to what was so incredible in that moment for me was my daughter saying that and believing I am loved was the greatest thing I could have ever heard her say. This is my heart for her as my daughter. This is the heart of a father that she would feel loved. And the fact that she felt that with so much confidence is something that I want to guard in her for the rest of her life to not just feel like I love her. She is loved by me, but she is loved by her heavenly father. And nothing will ever take away that love no matter what she goes through. That love is unconditional. And if you hear the sound of my voice in this room or online, that love is for you. God wants you to know that you are loved right here, right now, exactly where you are. You are loved. Will you believe it? Friends, this is what we get to help others experience through discipleship. That they are loved. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for giving us your living water. Thank you for being the source that satisfies. And that source never runs dry. You are so good. You are a good father who loves us unconditionally. And you've called us to pour out the living water that you've poured into us. Maybe there's my friends who hear my voice and they feel like they are living according to the narratives of brokenness that I spoke about earlier. I'm alone. I am unlovable. I'm stupid. I'm not enough. I am thirsty for life. If that's you, this living water is for you and it's free and it's available right now in this moment to be received from Jesus, the source of living water. If that's you, just cry out to him and say, Jesus, I'm broken, I'm thirsty, I'm desperate, and I need this living water. Will you give it to me? I receive it from you. Transform my brokenness and my character so that I can be like Jesus and share living water with others. Help me to multiply and to pour into others as you poured into me. In Jesus' name. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that message. I also hope that uh, what Pastor John challenged us to do resonated with you. The idea of pouring out into others uh, as a as a response to how God has poured into us His love, uh, His Spirit, all of those things. Um, so I hope you find opportunities to do that this week. Also, if you're processing anything in the message or even just anything in life in general and you need a a friendly ear or a place to belong or any of that, prayers, be sure to reach out and let us know via Connect Card or just reach out to someone on staff or someone in our congregation in general. Um, We want to get you uh, connected here uh, once again. So be sure to do that. I hope you have a blessed week. I hope that you experience God's love and the ways that he fills us so that you can be uh, better equipped to pour into others this week. We'll see you real soon.